If you got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And verse 26. I kind of entitled my message, The Last Enemy. So Virginia, you're safe. Uh, the last enemy. You know, man was created to live. If you read in Genesis 2, 7, and said, man became a living soul, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. He was created for unbroken fellowship with God. But we know is that you read in the scriptures and you read in Genesis and you read a little further on that fellowship was interrupted or broken, as some would say, because of disobedience. So death became a part of our life because of sin. And in Genesis 3.3, it said, but of the fruit of the tree, which was in the midst of the garden, God had said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now, when you begin to read that, and you begin to contemplate on that thought, and you say, but, but Eve didn't die. She took of the fruit. She touched it. And she ate it. And she passed it on to Adam. And he ate it. Now, we don't know literally who ate first. We know that the, it doesn't matter because disobedience was there all the way around. They weren't to touch it and they weren't to eat it. And they did both. Whether she touched it and gave it to him to eat and he ate, or whether she touched it, ate it, and passed it on to him to eat, but he had to take a hold of it to eat it, so he touched it too. You see what I'm saying there? The disobedience follows all the way around. And because of that, the serpent said to the woman before, surely you won't die. You see, the death came in the brokenness when they began to disobey God. That's when death came. That's, that's when the disobedience entered in. This spiritual death then became a part of our life through this act of sin. So disobedience brought death. As a matter of fact, if you read in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, it says, Wherefore, as by some men entered sin, or sin entered man into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men. So none of us were excluded. For all, or should say, for that all sinned. Now, we know that this goes way back. And you begin to think about it, and it goes way back. So, death is an enemy that stalks all of us. Now, we all have all types of enemies. You have people that don't like you, that despise you. You have bosses that you can't stand, you... You just have all kinds of enemies. But the enemy I'm talking about this morning is the enemy that robs us. I'm talking about Satan who, who enters in to, to tempt you, to cause you to stumble, to cause you to fall. 
Death is an enemy that stalks us all. You see, it's appointed once a man to die. We see that in Hebrews 9.27. It is appointed once a man to die, but after that, there's the judgment. This is an appointment we all must keep. None of us are going to escape judgment. Some people have tried to tell me that once you die, you know, that's your judgment. You're, you're ju- you died, so you're, you're paying the price. But that's not, that's not it. You see, it goes further than that. You see, none of us are going to escape final judgment. All of us are going to face that. Other appointments can be canceled, but not this one. I canceled many cardiologist appointments and many doctor appointments because I don't like to go. Because every time you go to a doctor, I shouldn't go here now. This is unfair to the doctors. But every time I go, they do the blood pressure thing. They do the weight thing. And then he comes in the room and breathes down my neck about the weight thing. Says nothing about the blood pressure thing. We must, I think we have the same doctor, Phil. <laughs> and then it's exercise, exercise, exercise. And I do, I exercise. When I get in the car, I'm like, ah, that man, it drives me crazy. Exercise, exercise, exercise. See, so I got it out. It all, it's all out now. Only to, when you go to check out of her office, she says, they want you to come back in two months. Why? Well, we got to take your blood pressure. Again. I'll take it at home and call him in. Because I'm just going to come back and he's going to say, exercise, exercise, exercise. He says the same thing. You think he wouldn't want to see me? Because I, I know what he's going to say. So I don't need to go back. Not really, probably. I probably should go back after I exercise. When I get time to exercise. There we go. Now we're covered. So I'll, I'll be obedient, I'll exercise. And then I'll go back to the office and say, I exercised this morning. There, then I'm covered. No. You see, the enemy may overtake us in many ways. Sometimes in our youth or in our infancy, sometimes in old age, our bodies wear out. They keep telling me the older I get, the more pain I'm going to feel. I don't know that that's true. I know a lot of older people that don't feel any pain. They get up and they're happy. I mean, look at Rosa. She smiles. All, every time I see her, she's smiling. She's the most energetic person I've ever seen. She lives on the second floor and she goes up and down those stairs at 80 miles an hour. She's fast. She's not old. You see, none of us are old, really, if you think about it. We're all God's children. And so because we're God's children, we're labeled as children. Children are labeled as young. So if you're feeling a little old, then uh, I think you need to just take a reevaluation of what God's word says about who you are. You see, I, I witnessed an accident a week ago Wednesday as I was driving home. And I was on 95, and this poor young girl, she flew around me going out and how fast. I was going about 80. 
and she went around me and uh, her car hit the rail and tipped over like five or six times and she didn't have her seatbelt on so she was ejected from the car. And I stopped and I couldn't believe the number of people that were still trying to drive through. So he's laying in the middle of the street and people trying to drive around like still at 80 miles an hour. But I thought a lot about that. And I thought about this going off. I wonder what happened to her. I wonder if she lived. I wonder if she died. I wonder if she was a Christian. I wonder if she knew God. I wonder, does she have parents close by? Because she looked young. So a couple days later, I caught up on the Palm Beach Post online and, and sure enough, found out the girl was only 19 years old. And she didn't make it. And then I thought, how would I react as a parent to get a call that my daughter no longer existed in this lifetime and I'm still here? When you think about that, it's chilling. But think about this for a moment. Think about God the Father. Think about how Jesus feels each time we, we disobey him and we get caught up in sin. Because you see, sin is what separates us from him. It separates us from the love of the Father. And every time we get caught up in sin, there's that separation. How does he feel? After all, he sent his son Jesus to pay a price for us. We've been purchased with a price, a great price. And he's given us everything that we have need of. And some of you, he's given you what you want. You know, some people say, well, God, just grant me the desires of my heart. Well, what does your heart want? Does your heart want what God doesn't want you to have? You see, a lot of times I think we take that little verse of Scripture and we twist it out of context. Well, God said, he'll grant me the desires of my heart. He also says you have the right to, to do whatever you choose to do. He's given you free will. So if you choose to sin, you can do it. But does he want you to do it? No. His desire is that you stay in the fellowship with him. He created you to do what? He created us to worship him. That's what his desire for us is, is to worship him. So that should be the desire of your heart. The desire of our heart is to worship God the Father, to worship Jesus Christ. That's what he desires for us to do. But yet, we get caught up in the things of the world. We get caught up in everything that takes place. And next thing you know, we're away from God. I was sharing with some of you last week. I think it was last week. I went to the pool where we live. And it's the first, it's like the second time I've been in the pool Probably the third time I've been to the clubhouse since we moved here into that place. And it was terrible. The language was bad with the young people there. And, and, and I'm, 
I was at work this week and I asked the young guys there, I said, uh, hey, let me ask you all a question. They said, sure. I said, is it just common that you guys just use these words and they're just horrible words and, and, and not give any thought to Christ? And they go, well, you know, it, it's, it's just the way society is today. And I thought, but if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's not changed, where in the scripture did he give us permission to change? Why do we allow the enemy to dictate to us how we're supposed to act in society when we're supposed to be allowing the Holy Spirit to dictate to us how we're to act in society? Well, Jesus forgives. I said, oh, because Jesus forgives, it's okay to act a certain way in public because we can ask Jesus to forgive us. No, we're supposed to be a living light. We're supposed to be a beacon of light into this world. But what are we doing as the body of Christ? We're putting our light under the... Remember that song? I forget that. What? This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Don't hide it under a bush, right? No, because if you hide a light under the bush, what's going to happen? It's, they say it's going to go out, but I think the bush will catch on fire. <laughs> no, my luck, the wood will be wet. and Yeah, that's just how it goes. But listen, death is something that's going to come to all of us. But you know what? The problem with death is this. Death is an enemy our Savior has already engaged in. Christ came to taste death for each one. Listen, in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, But we see Jesus who made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowning with glory and honor that he by grace of God should taste death for every man. What are we saying here? He voluntarily became lower than the angels. He humbled himself even unto death. You know, as, uh, you know I was praying this morning. I said, God, I don't want to. This is not the text I want to do on Sunday morning. I want to do something happy and cheery. It's the girl's birthday. I want to give him a good message. And he has me talking about death. What does he say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 26? The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Aren't you glad to know that death is going to be destroyed? Isn't it great to know that when we pass from this life and we enter into glory, there's going to be no more pain, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more suffering of any kind. We're going to be in the presence of Almighty God and we're going to have a great time there. Oh, it's awful quiet in here this morning. Maybe y'all aren't looking forward to heaven. I am. I was listening to you guys sing this morning. I was watching you participate in worship this morning. I thought, they're already there. They're already in the presence of the king. Why? Because he says where two or three are gathered, he is there in the midst. So Jesus is already here in our midst. 
And as you worship him, he gets excited. We get excited. And we get charged. He gets charged. Church, I don't know about you, but I can just, just, uh, who was it? Maybe it was Diane. It was Diane. When she said she was rushed this morning. She wished she didn't have a time clock anymore. When we get to heaven, we're not going to have a time clock. And I said, that's right. I can't wait to get there. No time clock in heaven. Well, I'm going to punch out here on Glory Street and go punch in over at the, the table with all the food on it. I know y'all love food. Because I love food. It's one of the greatest things God gave us. I know there's consequences to food. But that's okay. Exercise, exercise, exercise. <laughs> Just keep that in mind. Don't worry about the food. Worry about the exercise. The enemy pursued him from Bethlehem to Calvary. Herod's slaughter of the children of Bethlehem in Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 through 18, where he had all the young children killed. And he thought he was killing Jesus. But he missed. Why? Because God had already taken control. He attempted to cast Christ down from a hill. He attempted to kill Christ by stoning him. If you read in John 10, 31, then the Jews took him up, took up stones again to what? Stone him. Seeing, temp, seeing Satan's temptation to get Jesus to commit suicide in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 6, where he said, and when he said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written. He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up. Lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against the stone. What did he try? He was tempting Jesus to do things that God would not have him to do. How many times are we tempted to do things that God doesn't want us to do? And we just say, okay. Somebody talks you into doing something, okay. It's not okay. You see, we have to go against the flow. We're not supposed to be meandering and mingling and, and, and getting entwined, intertwined with, with the ways of the world. The Word of God says that we're set apart. We're called to do the things that Christ has called us to do. We're to be lights in a dark world. How many of us are actually being lights in a dark world? How many of us are actually doing the things that Christ has called us to do? Christ had come to engage death on the cross. He humbly laid his life down in John 10, 17. Therefore doeth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. You see, what Jesus was saying here is that no one could take his life. Only God. Only God. You see, there, there were many instances throughout Scripture where, where they tried to take Jesus' life. They tried to trip him up many times, but it wouldn't happen. Why? Because he was perfect. Oh, I made the wrong word. He is perfect. You see, a lot of people like to use the past tense. Well, he was perfect. No, he is perfect. Why? Why can we say that? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? 
He hasn't changed. So if he was perfect then, he's perfect now. He's perfect today. He's perfect for whatever you have need of. Because he places, he places himself in your, in your path so that you will, will, will obey him. You will be directed by him. He was in full control all the way to the end. When you read in Luke 23, 46, and he says, And Jesus had cried out with a loud voice and said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he gave up the ghost. So till the very end, he had full control. You know, it's not like that today, it seems like. We see people pass from this life into the arms of Jesus, and we see some people struggle. We see some people have a hard time, but there are others that go very peacefully. I remember, and I probably, this is probably the wrong day to talk about this, but we had this discussion a few days ago at our home when my mother-in-law passed. It seemed like as every hour went by, she looked younger, not older. Some people I've been to, they look older as they die, but she was looking younger. And I thought it was quite amazing. But that's Christ. You see, death is an enemy that Christ defeated. Death has been defeated by the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15, 20, we see, but now is the Christ risen from the dead and became the first fruits of them that slept. His resurrection demonstrates his victory. His Resurrection guarantees our resurrection. That we're all going to be called together with him in the air. You know, I know that people don't like to talk about death. People don't like to think about it. I don't like to think about it a lot of times. But having experienced what I experienced this past week, it was just one of those things that was on my mind. And I began to try to understand why it has to come. But you know what? Not all of us are gonna not all of us are gonna sleep, as the scripture says. What does that mean? Not all of us are gonna die. Because when the rapture takes place, or when Jesus calls us, not the rapture, but when the when the calling, when we're all called together to be with him in the air, we're gonna be changed in the twinkling of an eye. I won't have to exercise, exercise, exercise. I'll have a perfect body, a glorified body. It'll be Twinkie heaven. You see, church, those who are here, those who have been buried, will be raised first, the scripture tells us. And those that are, who are left are going to be caught up in the air, as the scripture says. And we're going to be caught up in the air with who? With him. Death is defeated by the promise of heaven. Death is defeated by the promise of the coming rapture when Jesus comes again. You see, there is a point in Scripture where it says that death will be finally, well, death will finally be destroyed. Death will be no more, as Revelation 21.4 tells us. But you see, there's a catch. And all of this that we shared this morning there's a catch. 
And the catch is this. You have to be ready for that day. The catch is you have to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You have to know where you stand with the Lord. And if there's sin in your life, it has to be reconciled before you can be with him. Now, I'm not saying if I'm saying if the rapture takes place and you're in sin, I don't know where you stand. If I go according to scripture, I know where you'll be. I mean, that's. I, some people feel that once saved, always saved. God help you. That's all I can say. Because there's nowhere in Scripture that it says once you're saved, you're saved for eternity. You're saved for the rest of your life. No. Because the Scripture says there will be a great falling away. You can't fall away from things you don't know. And you see, the closer we want to get to God, the closer you want to be to God, the closer you want to be to Jesus is right here. Everything that we have for our life, everything that we need to know to live according to God's word is right here. Salvation is given to us right here. We can, we can read the word of God and we can know what salvation is all about. We can know about the promises of heaven. We can know about the promises that he grants to those who, who, are, who are born again in him. I don't know about you, but I don't look forward to sickness. I don't look forward to aches and pains. I have them. I took my wife's car to get a new pair of shoes yesterday. And I forgot how low it is to the ground. Until I stood up. And I was like, ugh. Almost, she needs a seat with a jack in it. So help me out. Church, the enemy has been defeated. The enemy has been defeated. But the problem is we're living like he's still defeating us. The enemy cannot defeat you. You have the, you have the power of the Holy Ghost in you. You have Christ who resides in you, who lives in you. And therefore, you don't have to live a defeated life. You can live a victorious life. I'm not saying it won't come without problems. But if you have him to count on, you can move through. You can continue to be anchored in him and, 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 and continue to know everything that he has for you. But the problem is most Christians are walking around living a defeated life. Woe is me. Oh, I had these problems yesterday. Where was Jesus? He's the same place he was the day before and the day before that, and the day before that, in you. In you. In you. See, he didn't, he didn't remove himself. Oh, oh, I see that Pastor Murph's going to have some problems tomorrow. I better get out of his body. I don't want to be a part of that. That's not how he works. He's, he's prepared me to live a victorious life. He's prepared me to live in obedience according to his word. It's when I'm not in obedience according to his word, that's when I got problems. Your sickness is not because Jesus is not in you. You hear me? Your sickness is not because Jesus is not in you. Jesus is still in you. He can still be in you and still be sick. 
Why? Because the world has caused us to be sick. All the foods that we eat that aren't like yesterday's food, or I should say the back then food, whatever you call it. The healthy foods that my wife eats, the organic stuff. Unlike me, the Twinkie guy. I'm trying to convince her. Those things have the shelf life of 100 years. The more I eat, the more preserved I will be. She won't need to have me embalmed. I'm well preserved. Don't get those off named Twinkies either. They're no good. Loaded with sugar and all that bad stuff that you can't even pronounce on the back of the box. Listen, Jesus has preserved each and every one of you because he created you in his image and his likeness to be like him. Having said that, that means he is allowed, you've allowed him to come into your heart. You've allowed him to enter into you, to live, to reside in you, to take up residence in you. So because of that, he's going to preserve you till he comes again to receive you unto himself. That's what the word says. He wants all of us to be with him. He wants us all to be in his presence. That's why he came and he defeated the enemy. That's why when he was put on the cross, he was able to take the keys to, from death, hell, and the grave so that you wouldn't have to experience that. You have it. You have it all. But you have to keep it all. I'm a spiritual pig. I like to just keep reading and reading and reading. Eating and eating and eating. But I don't keep it to myself. I want to give out a few ribs every now and then. Give out some nuggets of truth. So that people can know the Savior that I know. The one who died on the cross for me. The one whose blood was shed for me. Because it wasn't shed just for me. It was shed for all of us. It was shed for the whole world. Even though we know the whole world doesn't believe. But the whole world can gain. The whole world can gain. If we would just take that light out from under the bush. And let it shine for the whole world to see. So I'm going to ask you this morning, how are you allowing your light to shine for the world? How are you allowing your light to shine so that the enemy can be extinguished in the lives of people that you know? You see, all of us have an opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ with everybody we come in contact with. How do I know that? Because the word of God says, I will provide the hearers. That means he will provide people for you to share the gospel with. Every time you go out. He will provide somebody for you to say Jesus loves you. Do you know Jesus loves you this morning? I was driving down the road the other day and I saw on the back of this girl's car, young girl, on the back of her car, it says, Jesus loves you. 
Under that, it had John 3.16. And under that, it says, nobody loves you more than he does. And I thought, how great. I mean, how bold is that that somebody put that on the back of the window? And, I, and I'll be honest with you. I was looking to... I, I sped up a little so I could get around so I could see who was driving. And I was, I'll be honest with you, I was looking for a little gray-haired lady driving the car. <laughs> I was. And it wasn't. It was a young girl. And I was impressed. I said, now that's standing it for Christ. Young person. And when I talked to my daughter, she said, well, it's probably your mother's car. But that's how my daughter operates. She's always trying to pop my bubble. But I assured her that it was that young girl's car because it was a car seat in the back with a little, a, a baby car seat. You know, one of those where you put the toddler? Yeah. There was no toddler in there, but there was one back there. And she wasn't that young. I mean, she wasn't like 16 or 18. She was a little older. But what I'm saying is, how can we be witnesses for Christ just like that? Just these little things to remind people. And I thought it was so awesome. Nobody loves you more than he does. And church, that's what I want to end with this morning. Nobody loves you more than he does. Because see, Jesus paid a great price for you. He gave his all for you. And for me, let's stand together. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you, Lord God, that you sent your son. And nobody loves us more than he does. That he gave his life for us. Lord, I pray for all of those, Father, in, in our communities and in our society and, and in our state. Father, I pray that you will allow us to become beacons of light to those who are lost. Allow us to become words of encouragement to those who are lost. Let us become, Father, the, the boldness. Let us become the witnesses that you've called us to be to those who don't know you. Because, Lord, we know there's a lot of people out there that need to be encouraged that need to understand that the enemy has truly been defeated, truly been defeated by your son Jesus on the cross where his blood was shed for us. Lord, let us become that beacon of light, that beacon of hope, Father, to those who don't know. Lord, as that song says, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And Lord, I want my light to shine to all of those that we come in contact with. Let them see Jesus in me. Through maybe my actions, my deeds, or even maybe my words. However you want it to be displayed. Lord Jesus, I pray today, let it be displayed. And I pray for all of these that are here this morning. Lord, let them be lights to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let their light so shine before the whole world that they will know that there is something different about them, that they have somebody residing in them. Let them know that Jesus is alive and well. 
I pray, God, this morning, have your way with us today. Let our light shine. Let the world be encouraged today. In Jesus' name, amen.